Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new Sports Radio 910, The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. We'll turn the page from week one to week two. Look at the best matchups around the NFL with Benjamin Brown at 2.30. Drive down Richmond Highway with the czar, Gary Hess, at 2.15. And we'll catch up with Bill Roth on the Cowan Gates Hokies update at 1.30. But it is 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, which means it's time for the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for the-, the phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. All right, it's time to take our first look at Commanders at Broncos. Right now, you can see the spread is in favor of the Denver Broncos. It's Washington plus 3.5 or Denver minus 3.5. Washington at plus 150 on the money line, Denver minus 180. The over-under is set at 38. 38. My math? If my math is correct, Christopher... 38 divided by 2 is 19, right? I got yeah, that wrong yeah, last you that. week. You got it. You got All it. right. So 19 points per game was what Washington scored last year. Last week, they got 20. So if they can get a little more than that, I think they could be successful against the Denver Broncos. Here are the betting trends. I usually stay away from these, but I think they're kind of interesting. So The Broncos are 0-1 against the spread this season. They were favored in that Vegas Raiders game and lost. The Commanders are 0-1 against the spread this season because they were picked to win by 4.5 points and only won by 4 against the Commanders. The under is 1-0 in Broncos games this season. It was 17-16 final. The under for the Commanders is 1-0 this season as the team only scored 20 points as, as a whole. It was 36 points for that game. So, over-under sitting at 38. The Broncos are 1-5 against the spread at home as favorites since last season. The injury report right now, I, I said we weren't going to mention his name, but we have to on the injury report. Chase Young, questionable. I don't believe he will play this Sunday. Quan Martin, the safety rookie for the Commanders, also questionable. Jerry Judy for the Broncos was out week one. He is questionable to return week two. Riley Moss, the corner for the Broncos, he was out week one. He's questionable to return week two. Caden Stearns, the safety, has been ruled out. And Greg Dolch, the tight end for the Broncos, has been ruled out. It is a cross-country game for the Commanders, but it's not a 1 p.m. cross-country game, which is where I would be worried. It is a 425 kickoff. Um, 4.25 Eastern time, right? Of course, it's at Mile High Stadium. uh, But like we've heard from reporters, teams usually fly in and fly out of Mile High before the altitude can really affect them. Washington 1-0, Denver trying to avoid the 0-2 start to the Sean Payton era. So when you look at the commanders and their quarterback, Sam Howell, I mean, he really did just just enough to beat the Cardinals. He ran for a touchdown. He threw for a touchdown to Brian Robinson on a play where he kept the play alive by scrambling to his left, throwing with his right hand. That's something to keep an eye on this season. He was successful when he ran to his left, not as much when he ran to his right. He completed 61.3% of his passes for 202 yards. 
He's going to need to be better than that against the Broncos. And I don't know that he needs many more yards, you know, probably 215. He just can't have the turnovers. Can't have the interception, and he definitely can't have another fumble, strip sack return for a touchdown. Um, Jahan Dotson was a touchdown machine last season, right? Well, week one, he was targeted seven times, made five grabs for 40 yards. In fact, it was Curtis Samuel that led the commanders in receptions and yards in week one. I need that to be Terry or Jahan Dotson this week. I need Sam Howell to get his receivers involved earlier in this game. And I don't know if it's the play calling from Eric Bieniemy, or if it's Sam Howell getting rid of the ball quicker. You know, Dan Orlovsky of ESPN is going viral on Commander's Twitter right now for a video in which he points out the mistakes in the young quarterback for the Commander, Sam Howell. And it's it's things that we all notice watching the game. Howell's holding onto the ball too long, trying to force it downfield. He wants the home run. It's like he steps up to the plate and he wants to be Aaron Judge. No, dude, we need you to be Ichiro. Get on base every freaking bat. That's all you need to do. And so you looked at some of these replays. He took six sacks, and four of them are on Sam Howell. Four of them are on Sam Howell. Two of them, he could have avoided the sack, in my opinion, by stepping up in the pocket. Two of them, he could have avoided the sack by throwing to the open man in the check down, in the flat, or the open tight end. Too many times Sam Howell was waiting and waiting, waiting for things to develop downfield. One, he doesn't have the offensive line for that. And two, he is so young and inexperienced that his pocket presence is not good enough for some of these long developing plays. And look, I got on Scott Turner all last season for the long developing plays. So I've got to be fair, play both sides. Eric Bieniemy did not call the greatest game week one. He had too many of these long developing plays. What happened to the quick hitters? The quick, quick passing attack was supposed to be a big part of the commander's offense. It was going to be RPO in which Sam Howell was comfortable and ran in college at North Carolina. And it was going to be a lot of quick passes. Darts out of the quarterback's hand for five yards. Move the chains. You know, keep his completion percentage high. They didn't do that. And... I kind of think Eric Bieniemy, and I don't blame him for this, he treated Sam Howell like a guy with a lot more experience week one, and maybe he was simply just impressed with the guy from training camp in preseason, and he said, you know what? Screw it. We're going to take the training wheels off week one and see what you can do. I don't know that they should put the training wheels back on, Sam Howell, but I do think they should have the game plan more similar to how it looked in the second half than it did in the first half, which was a lot more runs. And I think Sam Howell's going to be a lot more comfortable if he's dealing with third and two rather than dealing with third and ten, right? You run the ball to Ryan Robinson, you run it again to Robinson, then you set up the throw. Or you run to Robinson and you get him a nice play action. I didn't think they used enough play action, and the reason they didn't use enough play action is because they didn't run the ball enough early and often. It was a lot of Sam Howell trying to play superhero, and that's just not going to work for the Commanders, especially not against a solid Broncos defense. Um, Russell Wilson, week one, I mean, it was similar to last season for Wilson. He completed 27 passes. 27 passes for an NFL quarterback should be 270 to 300 yards. It simply should. Most good quarterbacks average 10 yards a throw. 
The Raiders defeated the Broncos. Garoppolo threw for 10.9 yards per pass. Russell Wilson, 5.5. Just 177 yards despite completing 27 passes. The offense didn't make any noise. It was the Cortland Sutton show, and that was about it. He's one of the few proven playmakers on that Devin Denver roster. I'm not scared of Samaj P. Ryan. I'm not scared of their other running back, and I'm not scared of Russell Wilson if he's throwing five-yard passes. Russell Wilson was an elite quarterback in Seattle because of his ability to hit the long ball. The Tyler Lockett to Doug Baldwin later in his career was DK Metcalf. I'm not sure that he has that anymore in his game. I think, I think part of it is he's scared to have the big turnover. Part of it might be he doesn't have the arm strength or accuracy that he had earlier in his career. But also, I don't think he wants to run and extend the play as much as he used to. Maybe his body's breaking down a little bit. He's not as young and spry as he once was. But Russell Wilson used to dance around that backfield and then fire it deep. Now he dances around that backfield and throws it for five yards. And I don't think that's going to be good enough to defeat a commander's defense that is unbelievable at getting after the quarterback and controlling that line of scrimmage. And if Washington can take away Denver's ability to run the ball on first and second down and make it the Russell Wilson show, I think they're going to be very successful. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Got to give a big shout out to Cat Simons and Melissa for hooking us up with some great tacos. So Odyssey is having a party today. I don't even know what we're celebrating, Christopher, but they're going hard downstairs. Michael Phillips is eating his face off. He loves working here now. They got tacos, chips, salsa. You already took a bite of it. What'd you oh, think? Oh, it's good. Really? It's good. Yeah, we got bunt cake too. Oh my fact, gosh. Yeah. <laughs> See, now now let me let me tell you something here. It's a bit on my show. I cannot eat until 3 p.m. I cannot eat and then do the show. I have nightmares, and I guess they're daydreaming nightmares now because I can't have them. I will throw up during the show. Something will happen to my stomach. I've, I've thrown up on air before. It was one of my famous bits on the Sports Junkies, so I promise to never do it again. And so because of that, Christopher, I will be making a taco plate to serve myself at 3 p.m. <laughs> I, like, I don't eat breakfast either, but... I, I, that's crazy. So that why did <laughs> did you throw up? Because you ate something bad for breakfast. Uh, on there? Yeah, it's a long story. I, okay. I shouldn't have had Jack and Coke before six oh, a.m. Yeah, you know. But uh, <laughs> anyway, I thanks for the food. I'll be eating it at three p.m. Uh, so Christopher, I told you to find um, a sound effect for me about turning the page. Were you able to pull that? Like turning a page in a in a notebook? Because I want to officially turn the page on the. 2023 NFL season for week one and look ahead to week two. What you got for me? Decent, decent sound effect. All right, let's turn the page to week two here on NFL Hits. Every regular season matchup, every head coach on the hot seat, the hit stories in the NFL, NFL Hits on AWOD Radio. All right, so we've officially turned the page. Here on the 
week one to week two of the NFL season. Now it's time to look at the slate of games. And it begins Thursday night with the Vikings at the Eagles. Here's how it works. I will give out a one-star, two-star, three stars for either game or no stars. If you get no stars, means I'm not watching. Three stars, opportunity to be the certified game of the week. Every Thursday, I come out with AWOD certified game of the week, guaranteeing you this game to be must-watch TV. I will say, week one, I kind of botched it. I told everyone my certified game of the week was the Bills against the Jets. And I will say this, it was the most watched Monday Night Football game in the last 10 years, maybe for about the first quarter. And then everybody stopped watching when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. So let's start Thursday night. Vikings at Eagles. That should be a good game. That should be a good game. That's going to be a two-star game. Look, the Vikings did not look good in week one. I'm not canceling the Vikings yet. I still believe in Kirk Cousins and that offense. Um, I just think they're going to struggle at times this year because they never really replaced Dalvin Cook. Alexander Madison, I don't know that he's ready to take all of the carries for the Vikings. And in their week one loss to Baker Mayfield, yeah, Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Madison only rushed for 34 yards. 11 carries for 34 yards. This is a Vikings team that had a top seven rusher in Dalvin Cook last year, over 1,000 yards, and they let him walk because they simply didn't want to pay him. That's going to be a struggle this season. I think the Eagles win, but that's a two-star game. It's a decent Thursday night game for sure, uh, Vikings at Eagles. Next up, Packers at Falcons. I mean, that's like, if you wanted to grade it, that's a D of a game. I mean, Packers fans are fired up. They started their season 1-0. and uh, Falcons as well. So I guess maybe I'm being harsh on this matchup here, giving it zero stars when it is a matchup of two undefeated teams. But I'm not excited to see uh, Jordan Love. I'm not excited to see Tyler Algier. I want more carries and more throws to B. John Robinson. I think the Falcons win this game, but that's a no stars. I will not be watching Packers at Falcons. Uh, next up here, Raiders at Bills. I'm going to give that a one star game. Look, I think the Bills should win, but the Raiders have some momentum now after the win week one against Denver. Jimmy Garoppolo looked decent. Um, look, the Bills' season might be cooked if they lose this game. If the Bills are 0-2 to start the season, uh, Stephon Diggs might be asking for a trade. Josh Allen might be just slapping himself to sleep every night. He was so upset with himself for those terrible turnovers week one. Bills should win. Raiders aren't as bad as I thought they were going to be. That's a one-star game. Next up, Ravens at Bengals. Usually, I'd give this like a two- or a three-star game. I'm going to give it a one-star. Good game. Both teams did not look sharp. Baltimore got the win against a terrible Houston Texans team. Bengals were shocked. The world was shocked when the Browns defeated Cincinnati in week one. I think Baltimore Baltimore will get the win week two, and Cincinnati will be in trouble at 0-2 this season. Next up, you have the Seahawks at the Lions. That's going to be a two-star game from AWOD. Zero through three stars. Zero stars I won't watch. Three stars means you're in the running for certified game of the week. This is going to be a two-star game. I think it'll be a lot of fun. You have the Lions here who have a great offense. The Seahawks are desperate to not start the season 0-2. Uh, I don't think you got the best 
from the Seahawks last week. I, I definitely think they'll be much better in this 1 o'clock game on Fox. Detroit's hosting this one. And let's take a uh, look back at the Seahawks and their loss to the Rams. And Geno Smith threw for just 112 yards. That might be an issue all season long. Geno was spectacular last year, but, you know, that could be an anomaly. It's not like he's been great for his entire career. He was a career backup after he left the Jets and he had to bounce around to teams, found a home in Seattle, had success. I don't know if he's going to have success this season. I uh, got the Lions winning this two-star game. Chargers at Titans. Look, both teams are desperate for a win. Desperate for a win. I'm not sure that, that this will be very entertaining when the Chargers face off against the Titans this weekend. Look, like I said, you get a matchup of two teams that are 0-1. It's in Nashville, home of the Titans. They're going to be fired up, handing the ball off to Derrick Henry. But who wants to watch a game where one team is going to hand the rock off 100 times and the other team's just going to pass, pass, pass Justin Herbert all over the place? I'm not sure if this is going to be high scoring or low scoring. I'm not that interested in watching. There are uh, four other 1 o'clock games that I've uh, given a better rating to. That's a no star. Next up, Bears at Bucks. Bears at Bucks. Yep, give me another dong for that one. 1 o'clock on Fox. Um, the Bucks won their first game with Baker Mayfield. The Bears need a win. Can Baker go 2-0? Uh, no way. I think the Bears win this game, but it's not going to be a good game. Justin Fields, it's not like it's fun to watch. He runs all over the place. He barely complete, completes any passes. He's basically a running back in the backfield. Uh, that loss to the Packers was not a good look for the Bears. I mean, you had Jordan Love's first start of his career. You thought Justin Fields would win that game. Throws for 216 yards, runs for 60, but has a back-breaking interception and took four sacks. All right, continuing here, NFL hits. We have officially turned the page from week one to week two. Chiefs at the Jags. Chiefs at the Jags. Still on the 1 o'clock games. I'm in on that one. Look, this is a three-star game. This might be my game of the weekend. Really, I love this matchup. It should be very high scoring. The Jags looked really good week one. Uh, Travis Etienne Jr., I mean, Calvin Ridley, Zay Jones was making catches, Trevor Lawrence throwing it all over the place. And the Chiefs here, after the shocking defeat to the Lions to open up their season, you know they're going to want to put up 40 points on the board. I think this could be a game that maybe you get 70 points combined. Three stars for that game. I'm all in on Chiefs at Jags. Uh, Colts at Texans. This is my official snooze fest of the weekend for the 1 o'clock games. It might be the worst game of the weekend. It's a good game if you're into rookie quarterbacks. If you listen to AWOD Radio, you know I am out on rookie QBs. No thanks. Final score will probably be 10-9. to 9. Uh, Anthony Richardson will take 100 sacks, throw for 120 yards. C.J. Stroud will have two interceptions. No thanks, I'm out on the snooze fest between the Colts and the Texans. All right, moving over to the 4 o'clock games beginning on Fox. 49ers at the Rams. I hope this is the game they're showing for me on Fox because I'm in on that game. One-star game. Uh, usually when these two teams play, the teams have bad blood, and you know it's like a, a war. It's like a, it's like a gladiator to battle. 49ers at Rams, two great defenses. Always a close game. I'm not sure this. I could say the same this year though. On paper, I think the Niners should blow them out. 
But the Rams somehow got a win over the Seahawks week one. So that's why I give this a one star. I even lean towards giving this a two-star game, two game because of the history between these two teams. But definitely give it a ding. Um, Giants at Cardinals. 405 game. I might pick the Giants to win and cover the spread, but this is a zero star mm. game. I have no interest in watching the Cardinals. You know they're going to be headhunting Daniel Jones like they did against the Commanders. New coach Jonathan Gannon wants killers. Well, his team is a bunch of losers. I think uh, the Giants are much better than they lo looked on Sunday Night Football. I mean, 40 to nothing lost to the Cowboys. You say, wow, won't happen again. Giants win easily and cover the spread. Jets at Cowboys. This was supposed to be the game that everyone wanted to watch at 4 o'clock. Instead, Aaron Rodgers' last three plays, and I won't be watching the Cowboys. Probably another 40 to nothing blowout. Cowboys will have so much momentum uh, going into week three because I would be shocked if the Jets can even keep it close with Zach Wilson. All right, you move over to the last of the 4 o'clock, or excuse me, the first of the primetime games. That's Sunday Night Football on NBC. Dolphins at the Patriots. That's a one-star game. I'll definitely be watching. I mean, Bill Belichick can't afford to go 0-2 again. The defense for the Patriots is fun to watch. They fly around the field. The Dolphins. Maybe this should be a two-star game because the offense for the Dolphins looked like the best in the league. Uh, Tua threw for 460 yards. Tyreek Hill had a couple touchdowns, also 200 yards receiving. Can the Pats stop them? I doubt it. I think Dolphins win and cover the spread. I'm going to give it a one-star game. Saints-Panthers is the first of the Monday Night Football games in which there are two of them. This will air on ESPN at 7.15. I do love how it is a early kickoff. They didn't go with the staggered set Monday night games like they've done in the past. You know, like they've had one game at 8 and one game at 10.30. 7.15. But that is a zero-star game for me. It's another snooze fest. No thanks. I'll take Carr and the Saints, uh, but I'm not interested in watching the Panthers on Monday Night Football. Browns at Steelers. 8-15, also Monday Night Football on ABC. Look, I'm going to give this a one-star game. That's a good rivalry. Browns-Steelers. The Browns looked very good against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Steelers looked awful. But you know the Steelers. They never finished their season below 500. So I think they get back to 500 with a Monday Night Football win against the Cleveland Browns. That should be an entertaining game. So... I've only given out one three-star game. Chiefs at Jags. Seahawks at Lions is a two-star game. Uh, Vikings-Eagles Thursday night, a two-star game as well. And then there are a bunch of stinkers week two. If we missed anything, you can chime in. 833-804-0910. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Phone lines are open if you want to chime in. 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. We will drive down Richmond Highway with the czar, Gary Hess, in his 30th season calling high school football here in Richmond, Virginia. That's at 215. Frank Maloney will join us to talk some ACC at 2 p.m. But right now it's time for the Cowan Gates Hokies Update. With Bill Roth. What's going on, Bill? See if you can pot him up. I'm not hearing him. Bill, are you there? 
I am. Hi, everyone. Hello, Bill. So give me your perspective from this six-hour rain delay in Blacksburg <laughs> on Saturday. I dried out finally. Yeah. I will tell you that. <laughs> when I came home, Baxter, that's my two-and-a-half-year-old puppy, Baxter was so scared from all that lightning and thunder. <laughs> he was so, so pleased that I got home. Uh, the field looked great. All that rain, there wasn't a single slip. So that technology worked. Unfortunately, the Hokies' offense uh, did not work. And uh, as a result, they dropped the game. Yeah, I mean, so how long was this in start to finish? Was this like the longest day in college football history? It was the longest weather delay, five hours and 27 minutes on record. The longest weather delay in college football history. We... we uh, Got to the stadium. I was there at about 7.45. We went on the air at 10 uh, a.m., and uh, it was after 10 p.m. when we left. So that was a long day of broadcasting. I talked with our engineer. I asked Bob Bob White, who's done – he's been in the business a long time. He said it reminded him of a, the first day of the NCAA tournament when, you, when you'd go and set up and they would do a day long. You'd get there before – 9 a.m. and it would be after midnight till you left. The difference here is we were outside. We had rain spitting into the booth. And yeah. The wind, it was like a hurricane. And you're outside in it with your headsets. <laughs> it was crazy. The I thought the flags on the top of Lane Stadium, I thought the flags were going to rip off. It, mm-hmm. it looked like, you know, those videos you see when there's a hurricane and there's someone shooting it and you see the flags just bending and 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 how how are, how are they staying atop the, the the pole? That's what those flags looked like. Bill, was there any talk about canceling the game? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. No, too much money. Yeah, <laughs> too much money. Purdue is here. ESPN is there. You have a sellout crowd. I mean, do the math. You had sixty six thousand tickets sold. Yeah. Right. And Bill, I do. I do. Th- I wanted to yeah. give a shout out. Somebody <laughs> in the Virginia Tech athletic department. I forget who it was, did a great job of re- directing fans on social media of where they could watch the game because it was a question everyone had. Well, they did a great they, – they were prepared in terms of getting people from the stadium into the field house, both where the team practices and also the indoor track facility. Mm-hmm. We had a hunch it was coming. I mean, we saw the forecast. So it was an exciting uh, you know, exercise in game operations. Because it, it was full. I mean, there were 66,000 people there, and you're playing, and then you've got to evacuate. Yeah. And we knew Danny White's the football assistant athletics director in charge of football. Danny came onto the field. Um, it was very interesting. As soon as he walked on the field, I knew something was up. He came right off the Virginia Tech bench. He comes onto the field, and he waved over the Purdue assistant AD, his counterpart, mm. and the referee. <laughs> and he has his he has his phone with him. Well, they've got the app, and they've got the lightning thing, the, the lightning indicator yeah. on the sideline. And they said, we got to clear the stadium. Game's off for now. Wow. And, uh, and we stopped for five and a half hours. But, you know, there's no great way to evacuate and shelter 66,000 people. You know, the the Taylor Swift concert at FedEx Field had issues where they put people underneath during the delay, and there were some medical emergencies because it got hot. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have room for 60-something thousand people in the stadium, but not under the stadium. Right, right. And, and no one does. You, you, you don't design a stadium to have everybody underneath unless it's an indoor stadium. And so they, I thought, you know, operationally it was good. There, you didn't hear about stories or, or fights. I, th- I thought it was handled great. 
We have to get to it, though. The Hokies have some serious injury issues. What's the latest, Bill? Well, Ali Jennings is out, and that's a huge, huge thing because he was Tech's most explosive offensive player and top receiver. Uh, obviously, Grant Wells is listed as questionable for the game, and that's a concern because Kyron Drones hasn't played a whole lot, and Rutgers isn't a team that you necessarily want to make your starting debut against. Uh, Jalen Lane, he's questionable for the game. And Tech's tight end, of course, Nick Gallo is out. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if you talk about Jennings, Lane, Wells, and Gallo, those are probably four of your top five offensive weapons against a Rutgers team that is in the top 20 nationally in defense, has been traditionally stout against the run, and you're playing them on the road. <laughs> so it's, it's a challenge, but, you know, we're not going to Ohio State or Michigan here. I think not to overstate how good Rutgers might be overall. They're just really good on defense, you know, and, and, and that, that's the way they've been. It's their DNA with Greg Schiano, and they're good this year. They're, they're, they're allowing less than two yards a run in two games. They've played Northwestern, and they've played Temple, and they're, they're not giving up two yards a run. Unfortunately, the Hokies aren't getting two yards per carry. Mm-hmm. So it looks like a defensive uh, taffy pull, so to speak, kind of like the last time the Hokies played Rutgers, which was 11 years ago in the Russell Athletic Bowl that was tied at 10 going to overtime before the Hokies won. Bill, we were all excited for Ali Jennings. He had a great start to the season. How long is he out? Is this season ending? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not talked with the physicians about it. We just know he's out for this week, and we'll see how he does. Uh, I don't know the details of it. They haven't released the details of it, and we'll see. I, I, I hope he can come back for the Hokies because he's really good. What do you think has been the biggest issue with the running game? No push up front. Yeah. You know, because if you look at the stats, and, you know, we have advanced stats so you can see it, you know, ba- Basil Tootin is – He's broken 11 tackles, and he's doing great. He, 11 tackles broken in two games is a lot, yeah. but he's getting hit three yards behind the scrimmage, three yards behind the line, and then getting ahead for one. Well, that's only a gain of a yard, <laughs> but even though he got, but he, he's getting hit early, and so they're working on it this week. They, they worked on it hard yesterday. They'll do again today. Uh, obviously, Old Dominion loaded the box. A challenge tech to throw made running really hard. Purdue played a 50 front, which you don't see often, and they had a lot of missed blocks. I mean, Purdue's linebackers were sailing through. I mean, if you saw the game, you know, Thomas or Tootin were getting the handoff, and just as they got the ball, there was a linebacker there. And, you know, and I talked with one of our, one of our coaches, one of our former coaches. I said, how do you handle that? He said, it's up to the running back to make one guy miss. If you're playing a team that's going to overload the box, when you come up to the line of scrimmage, everyone has a man and you're the tailback, and that linebacker's coming, you got to make him miss. Uh, but they're getting in there so fast, they're getting there at the same time as the ball, and it's impossible for him to miss. I, I think Tootin is, is going to be a really good running back for the Hokies. Remember I said that here in week three. I, I think number 33 is going to have some big games this year for Tech. They just got to figure out the blocking, and they got to get a little bit of a push up front. This is the Cowan Gates Hokies update with Bill Roth. Broadcast Saturday begins at 1.30, kickoff at 3.30. Let me hear your quick uh, preview for this game. Well, you know, I think that from an offensive standpoint, if the Hokies don't run the ball, that's putting a lot of pressure on the quarterback, yeah. whether it's Wells or Drones. And who, probably, who would be QB2 if, if Wells can't go? 
Then it'll be drones. And then William, Pop Watson, William Watson, who's a freshman who played really well in the spring game, hasn't played yet, but he's from Massachusetts, and he's a he's an athletic guy. Mm-hmm. William Watson the third, but he goes by Pop. He'd be, he'd be he'd be third. But you know, maybe you get the guys with the ball out in space a little bit. That's up to the coaches to figure it out. You know, the, the Hokies have been really good in special teams. They've been solid on defense. Kelly Lawson was the linebacker of the week in the league. He had 14 tackles against Purdue. They had at one point they had eight straight third down stops against Purdue. They got off the field eight times in a row. Purdue didn't turn the ball over. And and do you know how hard that is to force eight straight three and outs? That's impressive. And yet the offense couldn't score. And 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 so that in a way it's frustrating, right? But in a way it gives you hope because that's what defensive coordinators want their team to do. Three and out, get off the field. You hear that all the time, get off the field. And they did, eight in a row. And the Hokies just couldn't score. Terrible. Frustrating, right? But yeah. it gives you a sign of hope because Rutgers kind of plays the same way. That's what I'm saying. So, like, when Rutgers isn't an explosive offensive team by any stretch of the imagination. That's not what this is. It is a team that is built around defense, and they're built around – Greg Schiano, he'd be very happy with a 3-3 game going into the fourth quarter, right? He loves games like that. You know, a, a 10-6 shootout would be, you know, like the game we played against Rutgers the last time we played. If you're a defensive coach, you love that. Let's just, let's just force punts all day and, and, and try to win it at the end, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, they've got an offense that, that, you know, their game was 13-7 in the fourth quarter against Temple Saturday. And, and, and then they kind of wore Temple out and banged some touchdowns in late. It made the score look lopsided. But that was a 13-7 to game at Rutgers on Saturday night. And uh, I think it'll be a close ball game. But the, to win the game, the Hokies are going to have to kick it like they did against Purdue, win the turnover battle, and, and try to pick up some points, some easy points. Rutgers hasn't turned the ball over yet this year. It has not allowed a sack yet this year in two games. Bill, we got to run, man. Great stuff as always. Talk with you next week. Yep, that was the Cowan Gates Hokies update with the voice of the Hokies, Bill Roth. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on the fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new Sports Radio 910, the fan, now at 105.1 FM. Your home for the Virginia Tech Hokies. Who are on the road this Saturday at Rutgers trying to go to 2-1 on the season. The Rutgers Scarlet Knights are 2-0 on the year. And you can hear the sports junkies on 910 The Fan Monday through Friday from 6 to 10 a.m. And Lurch, the Lurch Papa, was telling a hilarious story of how he went down to Blacksburg for the game against Purdue that turned into a hurricane game. A six-hour rain delay, and the Hokies lose. So I was walking around the building, see if I could find someone that went down to Blacksburg for that rain game. And I did. Our traffic reporter, Brian. What's going on, buddy? I am well. And by the way, I'm going to correct you. I'm not the traffic reporter. I'm the traffic director. Big time! So you have a new producer. Yes. You know what that means for him? You better play my commercials or there's big problems. Because I'm in charge of those. Hey, hit those damn commercials, Christopher. <laughs> Pays all of our salaries. Yeah, it does. No, and we we love Brian. 
uh, here at Odyssey Richmond. I like to talk to you about the sports junkies because you listen to the Rickies in the morning. The Rickies in the morning now on Monumental and the fan. Yes, sir. And uh, we can always catch the Rewind on the Odyssey app. After the Junkies, you get Michael Phillips. New show, MP on the mic. He was downstairs enjoying the nice lunch that we had. Did you get some food? I did. What'd you, what'd you enjoy? So uh, it was uh, uh, Torchy's Tacos. Oh, dude, Torchy's is legit. Not a commercial. <laughs> uh, it was delicious. Yeah. And you know what I did to get to earn that food? What? So we had our One Thing Day, Odyssey One Thing, back in the spring, where yep. we cleaned up around the building. And I was out videotaping other people working. <laughs> that in, that enabled me to get the free lunch. So you never got your hands dirty. Oh, what? <laughs> the traffic director is too busy. Of course. Yeah. Well, you're also now um, a Saturday morning producer. Well. <laughs> we don't need to get into that. <laughs> it's, it truly is a lot of fun. By the way, on WRVA, we have a fantastic lineup of shows on Saturday morning. We have the home show with Richard McCann. Yep, love we him. We have the certified auto repair folks. And we have Howard Gutman, as I see it, at uh, 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock. So it's yep. a good show. And then that leads right into UVA right. at 11. Yeah, and so I see you on Saturday mornings because I come in and come upstairs to do my show on 106.7 The Fan. So let's get to this past weekend, though. So you drove down to Blacksburg. I drove down on Friday. I did not pass Lurch on the interstate or it would have <laughs> flipped me off, too. Right. Um, for those of you who didn't hear, Lurch was flipping people off because they were tailgating him and he's NASCAR so old school. Him. He is he's very so, old like, school. Like I, I sometimes I will pull down my window and I've I'll admit I've screamed at people before. F off or something like that. I don't really flip the bird though. But you it's, grew up in DC though. The I Beltway did. is like a natural thing to cut yeah, people off. It is. Okay. And believe me, I cut people off all the time. My favorite thing to do is if someone's pissing me off, I will drive a little faster, cut in front of them, right? Right. And then slam on my brakes. And then just just like a tap on the brake, because I was always taught by my dad, who's a great defensive driver, that if you tap on the brake, it, it shows up red lights in the back of your car, uh, and, and it'll scare people. Just just a little tap, tapity, tap, tapity. Okay. <laughs> good good information from uh, Father Awa. Uh, yeah, yeah, sir. So you went down to Blacksburg. I did. Friday I was, night. I went Friday night. My parents live in Roanoke, so I okay. uh, went down to the game very early, bright and early Saturday morning, and you could tell it was going to be an unsettled day. What were you wearing? I was wearing my Virginia Tech wear. I have a, uh, a Tech t-shirt that I wear normally, and I'm a hat collector, so I don't like to wear <laughs> my good hats to a game because I don't want to ruin them. Yeah. So I had one of my old beat-up Tech hats, and it was a good thing. So you did not have a jacket with you? I did have a jacket. Okay, there so you go. here's the thing. I drove my dad's car uh-huh. and I I forgot my raincoat. <laughs> but he keeps one in the back seat. Oh, you're so lucky. Oh, you're so lucky. I was lucky. <laughs> and I also had a had a poncho, which I didn't really use. The mm-hmm. rain jacket kind of did its job. But what I didn't realize was is the waterproof shoes that I have, <laughs> when there's a monsoon, there's no waterproof. <laughs> So you had those stinky, wet socks. <laughs> yeah, I'm sitting eating Bojangles after the uh, rain delay and wet clothing up and down. So, so you, there you go. So did you do any tailgating? I did do a little tailgating. I had some friends of mine from Indiana came down. They oh, were cool. Purdue fans. Uh-oh. Yeah, I went to a Purdue tailgate, but there were tech fans there, too. Uh-huh. And there was probably 15, 20 people in the tailgate. Cool. Mm, about 10.30, we walked over to not miss inner Sandman the whole nine yards. Yep, and yep. I think we know what happened after that. <laughs> well, so I was watching, but I was flipping back and forth with UVA and JMU, which also had a rain delay. It did. How long into the first quarter did the delay take place? So kickoff was supposed to be noon. Oh, and right. they, they delayed it until 12, 12, 20, 12, 30. Yep. And I don't know. It was like Bill may have said in the previous segment. It might have been a series or two, and then it started. Here's the key in college football. 
they'll play in the rain. It's when the lightning starts. Right. There could be no rain, no thunder, no anything. If they the refs see a bolt of lightning, you're off the field. So at that point, 1220, all right, kickoff happens. Are you dry in your seat or are you soaking wet? It's starting to rain. Okay. Right at kickoff. Yep. So and did then, you put the jacket on then? I did. Okay. So I you did. got the jacket I, yeah. on. They go through half of the first quarter, so the delay takes place, and they send everyone to the concourse, right? Right. And that was packed, from according to Lurch. So the concourse will keep you dry. Here is the problem. Getting 60-some-odd thousand people out of the stands and yeah. the concourse took a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For more than a minute. That's yeah. how everybody got drenched. So how long did you hang out at the concourse for? Some... I stayed with my crew, we probably stayed about an hour, Mm -hmm. and then it finally started to let up a little bit, and they walked back to where they were. I went to Castle Coliseum, where you could go, and I was like, I'll sit in here for just a few minutes and maybe listen to what's going on. Oh, they let everyone go into the basketball stadium. They did, they did, but a lot of people just left and went back to their car, which was probably the smart thing to do. I don't have a parking pass or anything, so I don't really park close. I park in downtown Blacksburg, so it was a good hike back. Yeah. By the time I went into the castle and hung out there for 10 minutes or so trying to get an update, listening to Bill and and Mike, it started raining again. Yeah. So that my friends are like, we're already at Buffalo Wild Wings. Come join us. I was like, <laughs> I can't get to the car now. <laughs> so it is what it is. It ended up being a long day. I did not stay. They resumed it, obviously, at 6.15, Oh, hold I on. Think, you just so. spoiled it. Hold on. So <laughs> you were in the Castle Coliseum. It's going 2.30, 3.30, mm-hmm. 4.30. What time did you leave? I was back to the car probably about 3.30. Okay, 3.30. Yeah. Yeah. The game did not resume until, what, 6.45? 6.15, yeah. 6.30, yeah, something to that effect, yeah. So, so did you stay in Blacksburg to watch the game at a bar, or did you just drive all the way home? I, you know what? I just drove home. And you listen to Bill? Yeah, I listened to Bill. Bill and Mike had them on. I uh, was going back and forth between that and several other games, too, so, yeah, including yeah. baseball games, which I'm at. So you do, did so. about <laughs> 10 hours of driving to watch one quarter of football. That's correct. That's Hey, that's our traffic reporter Thank right you. there. Traffic director. I'm sorry. Traf- no hey, problem. How's the traffic today in Richmond? Uh, Is it going to take me more than 10 minutes to get home? Well, you live down the street. Yeah, I know. It never takes more than 10 minutes. You can go you can down Broad it. Street to home, right? I just could, right well, down the... Here's the thing is, if I just want to relax and take it easy, blast some music, I do Broad Street. If I'm in a rush, I'll, I'll hop on the highway real quick. But it, it's literally, it's nine minutes on the highway, 11 minutes on Broad Street. I, and that's why I love this job so much. I was going to the junkies. It was taking me 45 minutes and then an hour and a half to get home sometimes. You have to tell me I was going up there before. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, D.C. sucks for traffic. That's why all the D.C. people are moving to Richmond. So <laughs> I've told you before my story about D.C. I almost went to work with I the know. junkies yeah. when their offices were in the middle of nowhere in Maryland. In and now they're down in the middle of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's no parking anywhere. Good no. luck. <laughs> Brian, good story, man. I appreciate you hopping on. No problem. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. So we've been talking Hokies now. We'll move over to the Who's. But the host of Who's Talking, Frank Maloney, will join us next on The Fan.